This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, beloveds of God, who are all growing and knowing your stunning identity in Christ. I pray that you experience the tangible nature of the gospel and come to know even more deeply today the profound love the Trinity has for you. Yes, God. I have been looking forward to today's podcast for a long time. I have with me in the studio our very own Sherry Snyder. Many of you already know who she is. She's a member of the Captivating Women's Team and teaches at our events. She's also a frequent contributor to the Wild at Heart podcast, and even more often on the Become Good Soil podcast with her husband, Morgan. Sherry is a wife, a mother of two teenagers. She's active in several ministries, and she's committed to being a lifelong learner and a wholehearted pursuer of Jesus. She's also a cherished woman in my heart. Sherry, thank you for being with us today. Stace, I'm uh, blushing and uh, so honored. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Sherry, you are such a deep well. And we could talk about, oh my goodness, so many different topics and subjects, um, all of things that are really important. But today, today I've asked you to come in and talk with us about the topic of anxiety. All of us, me included, are personally familiar with anxiety. And many of us, increasingly more of us, are either someone ourselves or have someone close to us who struggles deeply with anxiety. Um, Cher, can we begin by having you share some of your personal experiences with it? You bet, Stace. Um, Interestingly enough, or not surprisingly, about 2 a.m. last night, I woke up and I began to feel, you know, wow, what's going on? And I started to feel... um, like a tumult in my belly. And then I noticed that my heart rate was picking up. And then I noticed my skin felt hot and taut and tight. And I was like, oh, yes, I know this. Um, So anxiety, I I wish I could say it was a thing of the past, but um, it has been a significant part of my experience since I was probably an elementary aged kid. And I remember Stacey, you and John pointing out to me 20 plus years ago, this passage in Isaiah where the prophet says, you will find treasure hidden in darkness. Yes. And it has been part of the darkness through which Jesus has led me to, to immense treasure. Mm. So it's, it's been a really big part of my life. I love how attuned you are to what you were feeling in your body, the physicality of it. Is that something you always knew or something that's something you've grown in? Oh, 100%. Yeah? For much of my life, or since I'm referenced as an elementary age kid, I had a lot of almost intolerable sensations within my body of tightness in my chest, particularly upset in my belly. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I remember in middle school, 
I was traveling with my family for several summers in a row, and I didn't know to call it anxiety at the time, but my body was in distress, and I would end up having these GI issues when we were traveling. And I know now that it was tremendous, what I call anxiety, but that profound upset of my GI tract um, from the duress and, and without, without, at the time, adequate comfort and adequate support. So I think for much of my early life, I really tried to vacate my body and tried as best I could to avoid feeling these feelings because they felt overwhelming. And so I would basically, I had developed so much hatred and such a sense of betrayal that my body would betray me. Things that were supposed to be fun ended up being, you know, with an upset belly and you can hear this theme, belly. It was is a big part of where I've felt anxiety over the years. And I just, it, it contributed to water and light to the root of self-hatred that was already in me. And so I, I just hated the way that my body reacted to things that were supposed to be fun. Right. And so I managed it for a long time by um, basically avoiding, I would, I would, go into, say, a social situation for a, like I would for just a limited amount of time as much as I could tolerate. And then I would get by myself because being by myself seemed to be the way that was I was best able to reduce the stimuli that provoked the anxiety. Hey, Kuwait, I want a picture of that. So I'm, I'm wondering if you're going into a social situation, yeah. would you be prepared? Like, like tell yourself, okay, I'm going to talk for this long. Right. I would be like, okay, if I just make it till nine o'clock. Yes. And then like, then I can leave. Ah, and, there um, we go. And meanwhile, ashamed that that was how I was having to handle these situations. So this, this twin of anxiety and shame, well, it's really a triplet, anxiety, shame, self-hatred. And then I found I could manage it often by being alone, but that isn't really what I wanted. Right. I want, this is a bind. I want to be in relationship. I right. want to be engaged and to have to manage it by a lot of times pulling back and being by myself um, was so bewildering to me mm -hmm. and confusing. Mm -hmm. And it was really through, through Jesus's intervention and through the counsel of wise people and a loving community that I began to receive the invitation to turn toward it instead of just basically using self-hatred to dull my desire, to make my desire small enough so that I could reduce my expectations for what my life might look like and manage the anxiety through, mostly through isolation. Can you say more about what you mean by the invitation to turn toward it? Yes. What do you mean by turn toward yes. it? Yes. So I know that this is something that I've learned so much from John and Stacy and from Wild at Heart that it's, it's in, in union with others and in union with God that we can begin to tolerate what's intolerable in our stories. So I needed some variables to shift before I could even start turning toward it. And some of you know that, um, it's gonna make me cry. Yeah. Um, God reached out, like the psalmist says, he, he reached out to me in a pit and lifted me out. And when I was in my early twenties, God brought me to Colorado Springs and for reasons known only in heaven, I got to be welcomed into um, John and Stacy's hearts and really started to experience 
that my depth of feeling was what was right with me and not what was wrong with me. Mm. And, you know, I, I so hated that I, my intensity and I hated how deeply I felt things. And I would, you know, really work hard to try to only show people the parts of me that I thought were what they wanted. And through, you know, the early days of our Wild at Heart community, experiencing for the first time, I think being seen and being loved began to imagine like a a frozen river began to um, thaw the river enough. So the the tough thing was it got worse first. And um, I remember in the early years of our marriage, I, I quickly found myself into counseling. And I think pretty sure Morgan quickly found himself into John's office. <laughs> like, what's happening to Sherry? Because <laughs> my anxiety actually got worse. But it was my, I think finally my body knew and my spirit and soul and God had ordained it that it was time to start you know, feeling the feelings that had been overwhelming because I didn't have enough social emotional support to feel mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So then God brought a counselor and then through basically Jesus telling me and and he he came to me, Stace, one of the primary ways he came to me was he brought me into the Psalms and he showed me the depth of emotion that was included in the Psalms and I just didn't realize I'd been so ashamed of feeling all these the, these intense sensations in my body, and to realize that um, Holy Spirit had inspired humans through the ages to actually articulate the very sensations I was having, cut through the sense of this is me, and um, so He brought me into the Psalms and gave me just incrementally enough courage to turn toward what I was actually feeling. And rather than just trying to escape it or yes, manage it. Yes. So I began to learn to actually pay attention and got enough space because of relational support and support of the Holy Spirit to have sort of that crowbar between the shame and my experience. And it was like the leverage of love um, between my heart and the shame, kind of that that initial, if you can picture like the crowbar creating a little more space, a little more space so that I could feel my feelings without them being totally hijacked by shame, and then get really curious about what in the heck, why, why is this anxiety so intense rather than, you know, um, stopping at, I'm so messed up, I'm so messed up, and um, really getting stuck there. So enough love to get to the question of like, huh, what is this about? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And and having anxiety in this world that we're living in, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Like I I I hate the shame of it. Yes. And so may God come because another way for me to look at it is that anxiety is rooted in a fear of being unworthy. Yes. Unworthy of relationship, unworthy yes. of love and um and the fear that if I'm found out. Yes. Then everyone's going to leave. So I have to be perfect. Yes. I have to not disappoint. Yes. And then you live with such constrained fear because you're not perfect. Yes. And you're going to disappoint. Yes. And so the anxiety that can just be debilitating. Yes. Uh, on a precipice. Yes, Stacey, exactly. And I love how you put words to that because since we are, you know, and you say this at Captivating, relational to our core, made in the image of relationship. 
um, nothing will thrill our hearts nor devastate them to, to the degree that relationship will. It literally is like on a physiological level what I've learned and what I've observed in my own experience. And then hearing you say that just, you know, as an example of it's corroborated is that it is life and death. Exactly. To, to, to be abandoned as a, as a relational being is to, is to be given over to death. It is death. It's what's right with our bodies that they protest so much when we find that, that breath of the accusation of like, no, if you, if you find out, you will be left alone, which is you will die. This is the breath of death breathing down my neck, you know, with this threat. So I, I, I just appreciate you saying that so much. Yeah, I want to pause there because the sobriety of that is actually really validating. Like it, it can be easy to diminish what we struggle with yes. or what we feel or just say, no, wait, I'm supposed to pray without ceasing and make yes. my request known before God. Yes. And there's truth to that. Yes. There's absolute truth to that. And, and, and it's complicated. Exactly. And there's complexities. For me, um, growing up, I, the deep messages I received was that I was ultimately such a disappointment. My, my existence caused pain, and so I needed to just toe the line and be invisible. And I had such a fear that if I caused pain, additional pain or disappointment, that I would be ultimately banished. Yes. And yeah, then comes the fear of death, of which, is, which is primal. Primal. Because in our humanity, yes. in our history, if you were banished, you did die. Exactly. Exactly. And on a emotive level, we, will, we literally will die. Like because of our interpersonal nature, if we are left, there is no mirroring. There's no attachment. It is literally to not, not just physiologically die, but to emotionally and spiritually die because of our interpersonal dependency. Right. So I so appreciate that. It's primal. And I think learning that stays similar. I think you and I, God has had us and I imagine millions of other women on a similar journey to really understand, oh, this is not shameful. This is like we keep saying, what's right with me in that um, father made me relational. And to grow up in a fallen, broken world is to and to not, because we, so many of us did not experience secure attachment, mm -hmm. our bodies are trying to protect us. They're trying to keep us safe. They're trying to keep us alive. And so they're responding based on this, the information they've had to date. They have developed a, a habit of responding, danger, 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 because they're trying to keep us safe, trying to keep us relationally connected. And the question of how do we reinform our bodies about the nature? Trinitarian nature reality, the security of love and God. And it's been said that to be in secure relationship is to experience being seen, soothed, safe, and secure. Wow. Can you say that one more yeah. time? To be in healthy attachment and secure attachment, it's the experience of being seen, soothed, safe, and secure. So we were meant to be soothed in relationship. Yes, yes. Um, and to be seen in everything we are, soothed, safe. And then the secure, and the secure is actually what allows us to begin to tolerate more risk and to, you know, increasingly, with ever-increasing glory, be able to tolerate the risk without being 
um, outside of our window of tolerance, being overwhelmed by it such that we, we then have to either flee or fight or for me freeze, which yes. is just where I go. And so I was thinking about why, why so much shame? And immediately what came to me was, you know, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, you know, be anxious for nothing. And I remember like early on in my journey, uh, I grew up in a, a mostly a secular humanist environment. So I wasn't around a lot of Christian literature growing up. So in my 20s, I was sort of new to the world of Christian books. And there was a, I think a book, it was like, say goodbye to anxiety. And it just sounded so like, okay, I'd love to do that. And, you know, it opened with just a, a meditation on, you know, be anxious for nothing. And, and I think what is so um, challenging is, is, as I've sat with that, is that when I de- for myself, detextualize that Paul's letter. For if I forget, he's writing to a community of, of humans that were intimately connected, that were facing death, and he was encouraging them. And then I extract it and paste it as a a goad for me in a culture that's fallen, and we're in a culture that's not all our fault that is suffering from hyper individualism, and a sense of you know like we've got to just pull ourselves by the bootstraps and in a very going against the grain of the kingdom of God, going against the grain of Trinitarian reality, but so normal to us and seeped into our Christianity that the idea of like the command to be anxious for nothing becomes very relevant once we are in securely attached human relationships and securely attached with God. That really does become, a, um, I imagine, and I've tasted it for seconds, but a a real kind exhortation, a reminder of what's possible. But for so much of my life, and because of our hyper-individualistic culture, we're much more like the sheep that's the, the one that's been separated from the 99 that Jesus has to go and rescue and we're stuck and we are in need of rescue. And I think to when I forget where I'm at in the story, and so I take a scripture, I, I'm actually a sheep stuck and alone, but I'm like, be anxious for nothing. No, my anxiety is spot on because it's cueing me. I don't have enough relationship. I don't have enough secure attachment. And if I just try to be anxious for nothing, you know, I'm not understanding that I've got to get out of my lost environment and, and get into an um, environment more with the grain of Trinitarian reality. And then be anxious for nothing becomes something my community and I can work out. Yeah. But so much to take that scripture, you know, when I'm, um, literally like sick with anxiety, trying to be anxious for nothing, try to be anxious for nothing, it becomes unkind. Yes. But it's confusing when it's a cute little postcard, be anxious for nothing. But our first task is, you know, union with each other, union with God. And then as we are building healthy attachment, the, the impossible is made possible to yes. be anxious for nothing, which yes. literally is impossible and it's meant to be by ourselves, becomes um, possible because of Jesus and because of community with it by his spirit. I love your clarification of that. And I want to just encourage you that are listening that um, are longing for relationship with, with men, with women, for whom you can experience a place of safety. Like you said, to be seen, soothed, secure, yes, and, and safe. safe. Yes. And when you said that, I'm like, Friends, this is God. Yes. The only place that you're going yes. to get that perfectly is with our our 
Father yes. who loves us with abundance. And that we get to grow in all of our lives yes. as we grow in knowing him and being able to believe him and receive his love. And like you said, by his spirit. This isn't even something that we drum up. Oh my gosh. I mean, I squeeze, you could squeeze. Oh, I just, I'm going to believe. Oh. Like, oh no, Holy Spirit, help me to believe. Yes, exactly. Stace, but I'm curious. I do think it's, it is challenging because we read the text of the body and it really is through people. People. Yes. And um, that we are, we experience Christ's yes. love. And yes. so I think that complicates it. You know how you, you guys say love, I think you quote it. Love complicates the life of God as it complicates every life. Mm -hmm. It's more complicated yeah. that we are affected by other humans yes. and that asking him and pursuing, Lord, even like we've talked about, just one for, for us as women, one other woman we could find or two to say, can we pursue this together? Can we practice showing up, revealing our shame and being seen in our shame and experiencing that you're not running out of the room, you're not screaming, you're not horrified, you can look at me with the gaze of Christ and, and through the gaze of Christ, through Christ's presence, that which was chaotic and desolate and void becomes, an, becomes Eden. And, and so how to find that in relationship and, um, you know, it's, and I, I, I know we say this, but just want to let you guys know, you know, it's not like at Wild at Heart, we're just doing this without end. I mean, it ebbs and flows and, and, and sometimes it, you know, we're, we're working on it, but, but we're right with you together. We're trying to choose for it, fight for it, practice it because we do need each other. And it's, it's both tracks and we need to be able to, by his spirit, receive him through whatever the practices are that connect us in union with Jesus and worship and journaling and the things that um, Stacey and John have taught us to do. And it's both. And I wish, I kind of wish it weren't. It would be safer if I could just attune to God and just be, you know, kind of impervious with other humans. But that's not at least how it seems to work it doesn't so far. Seem like this. <laughs> Right. Not so far. It's not how we were created because I think ultimately, ultimately he is our everything. Yes. But he then enables us to love. But we are made as people to relate to people. So the experience of having somebody as you're gazing at me right now, as I see in your eyes, just to receive acceptance in our flawed place yes. and to have somebody also reflect the beauty in us that yes. we don't see ourselves yes. to walk alongside. I'm going to walk alongside you in, in your mess. Yes. I'm messy too. Yes. We're in this. And um, I would pray for that, to yes. ask God to bring, to yes. bring um, even one. Yeah, just one. One is wonderful. One is wonderful. And one you know, one is wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Two is better. And you know, for me, it's like I I need several in yeah. my life yeah. because they bring me different things at different times. Yeah, that's right. So the more, the merrier. Also, pursuing a friend right now may feel too difficult or overwhelming, um, but one thing to do is to pray for them. But we also are big advocates of counseling. And finding a counselor, a Christian counselor, and you can look on our allies page at Wild at Heart or ask for recommendations, 
is a beautiful way to start in a place of somebody that will hear you, see you, and that you can um, begin to find that in the eyes of another human being. And, and Stace, what you've done with this podcast of inviting women to show up, you're creating a space for us to know we're not alone in our struggle. I, I think it, it does feel vulnerable for me to um, acknowledge that, you know, sometimes the anxiety, I still get uh, paralyzed. And I know what I want to do. I know the thing I should do. And I, I cannot move toward it without someone telling me that they still love me. Knowing that about me is that the freight train of shame can just um, burl at me. So I appreciate something um, Kurt Thompson says where he says, if shame is like a freight train, it's our union with God and our community with each other that can stand against that kind of mass. We need, you know, equivalent counter mass to it because shame is that powerful. Yes. And so I think to, to say, okay, Lord, help us to find the counter mass to validate that shame is that powerful. And so what's the counter mass? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Something that has helped me tell this. Me. Tell me. Is when I hear that from you, a woman who I so esteem and love and have known and and in when you're not soaring and in weaker places, and to know like your glory in it, to your beauty in it, your worthiness to be loved and to belong and to be wanted, and and for that to be so clear, like it's not a doubt in my mind. And what helps me there is to think, well, maybe that's possible for me. Just to entertain that thought, because we can see everyone else's glory, their goodness, their being so worthy of love. And also the, the vulnerabilities that we we share, they, they almost make you more winsome. I'm I'm actually not so mm -hmm. drawn to somebody who is who I perceive as being perfect mm -hmm. or who only wants to show me that side mm -hmm. of their face because of their own fear. Mm -hmm. But when we're able to share our vulnerabilities with one another, mm -hmm. then, then that's alluring to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, Stace. Girlfriend. Yes. And that we grow in this over time. There's hope, friends. This, this is part of our human condition. I don't think that we'll be completely healed till we see Jesus yes. face to face. But in the midst of our, our pain or our struggle, our anxiety, our fear, our sense of being abandoned, even in our worst times, Jesus comes. Jesus. Yes, God. And then we actually get to learn that he will not abandon us. Yes. We get to know more of his love in the reality of our weak places than we would know. In our soaring places, though I prefer the soaring places. <laughs> Girl. Yes. yes. Oh, Stacy. Yes. We are safe in Christ. We are seen by God. He is the one that can soothe us perfectly, yes. and we are secure in his love. That's right. Exactly. And I, I love that. I think if we can build expectancy for what I can experience from God, and then, you know, of course, flushing out what the means are, but I can experience being seen. I can experience he wants to soothe me. That's like he's wired me to be soothed in relationship with him. 
he's wired me to thrive on safety and he's wired me to um, experience increasing security so that I can tolerate more risk, tolerate more uncertainty. And um, man, yeah, Lord. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and more of that. More of that, God. And then to bless, to bless our need for that. Yes. For the shame to be diminished and to even honor the various ways that we seek soothing. Oh, exactly. And to go, that's not actually something that's wrong with us. Right, exactly. We're worthy of being soothed. And and I, I was journaling about this, Stace, because I realized that it really sounds funny, but it's, or I, I perceive it sounds funny, but it is a real struggle for me as I get into these audiobook series and I know it's like getting a hit. I can get a hit from it. And it's, it's, there's no uncertainty. I know that for a moment I will experience quote unquote, like small L life. And, and I love how, you know, John and Brent coined like less wild lovers. Like it is a lover. It does for a moment soothe me. But it does not get me to capital L life. But to honor, I'm made to be soothed. Yes. And so, of course, I, of course, there's, I do that. Of course, I reach because I have a pattern inside of me that's still at work that really believed I had to soothe myself. And so mercy. And, and um, you know, there's other ways that I, you guys know I soothe through isolation. And sometimes I, when I'm overwhelmed, I pull back in my relationships and that hurts people. And I can feel so ashamed about that. But if I, if I can stop and be like, oh, precious little Sherry, you, you were meant to be parented and to learn to be soothed in relationship instead of self-soothing. And I learned to self-soothe in these ways that don't serve me very well. I can drop down and find little Sherry and have mercy for her. And then through Christ, be reparented so that eventually I can find ways to be soothed that neither harm me nor harm others. But it's, that is such a tender, tender place. And beautiful kindness to our young places, the kindness to the places that are overwhelmed or where the fear is untenable, the pressure is too much. And to honor the reality that we don't want to harm people, but we do need to care for ourselves. Right. So there are times when I'm, I'm actually not going to go to that gathering because I'm just not in a place to be able, to, or I just need exactly. to be alone, or I just need to listen to a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And actually, I felt like the Lord was like, share, because I can go into these like fits and starts where I'm like, I will never, I'm like, I'll email Morgan. Okay, I'm not going to listen to a book for six weeks. You know, I come up with these like grand strategies. That, that then, sounds very familiar <laughs> to me, Sherry. <laughs> the Lord's like, that's. It's it's not about the book, right? It's it's about um, it's something deeper. And the my relationship with that with my love for entering into you know an aesthetic experience with a book will re-regulate itself as as Jesus comes for young Sherry. Thank you for how beautifully you've actually authentically shown up for this and offering your true heart. And I think there's so much that you said that I, I, want, I want women to listen to this again. 
And I want to highlight just a couple of sentences that you said that um, you've said in the past that mean so much to me. When you say, um, when we're responding, we're having a physical response to something or an emotional response to something, it's what's right with you, yes. not what's wrong with you. Yes. And to pay attention, yes. pay attention. And then, am I hearing you right? Like honoring that and, and also bringing it to God for how does he want to soothe or who does he want to bring or how can I bring that to others yes. in a shared life where we need the attachment with each other and with him. Yes. So what I, what I would love, there's a lot here and reams of information, tons of books, but I guess what I just mercy, mercy everyone who is listening, um, there are there are shared experiences and there are levels of anxiety that different people are burdened with. Yes. And, and there is help. Yes. Um, Sherry, I was wondering if you would pray for a particular woman that you could have in your heart right now who was hearing this and, and maybe wondering, oh, but you don't know the level to which this is crippling me. Yeah. Would you pray for her? Stace, yes, I will pray. And um, I wanted to just read this from one of the Psalms that God gave me. It's Psalm 31. And man, it gets me every time because it's so, uh, it speaks to uh, my experience and what I, I imagine perhaps I'm not alone in in some of these feelings. So um, I'd like to read this and we'll move into prayer. How does that, that sound? That sounds great. Okay. So this is um, Psalm 31, a Psalm of David. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies and my affliction, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the streets flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. Jesus, you who are the psalmist, the poet of the heart, the one who, because of your desire, your choice to have oneness with us, you have experienced every emotion, every sensation in your body. Jesus, you know, you know what it's like to feel, have such a physiological experience of of anxiety that you had blood coming out of your pores. Jesus, you who know, and you who know what it's like to be in each of our skin, in fact, you have chosen to make your home there. Lord Jesus, I reach out on behalf of all of my sisters, especially, Lord, those for whom they feel like they are broken pottery, that they are so um, debilitated or crippled. I really appreciate Stacy's word crippled by anxiety, by the 
what happens in their bodies that God literally it sometimes when I'm in the throes of it, it, it actually feels like torture. It's like it's being tortured, invisibly tortured. And so for that woman, Stace and I come and we oh, come God. in solidarity. We come right next to you, dear heart. We come right next to you and we with our own experience of that and we first we tell you you are not alone Mm -hmm. you are not alone and it's it's what's right with you your body she's doing exactly the best she knows how to do and that somewhere along the way she learned she came by it honestly that there was a tremendous unsafety that there was um, no safe place for her So we acknowledge that you have come by those crippling sensations honestly. And we become curious. We remember that um, a story-informed way of seeing is not to ask what's wrong with you, but to ask, darling, what happened to you? Where did you not receive? Where did your precious body not receive what she was made to receive? And so, Lord, I ask that within each of us, God, any, any place where we do feel young, Lord, younger than our biological age, where we um, feel overwhelmed at times, where we feel like our body is a runaway train, just taking us places we don't want to go, would you please come and would you find us? I pray that um, right now we, take, we do take our stand against the enemy. And Lord, we want to to face and lean into what is ours from our story, where our bodies have been wired around neglect and around abuse and around trauma. We want to look at that thoroughly. And we only want to deal with what is actually ours. So um, we right now stand as a community of women against our enemy and against his attempt to capitalize on the way that our physiology has been formed in a broken world and to heap fuel on our fires. In Jesus' name, as a company of women and by the power of the resurrection, we stand and we command Satan to leave and to take his portion of whatever we're feeling in our bodies away so that we can engage with our God with what is ours with our God. We command our enemy to flee. We ask now and command Jesus, your legions of angels, to go forth across the earth to every um, one of our sisters and fight for her. And we ask, God, that you would press against the territorial spirits that are um, putting fuel on our fires. Hallelujah, Lord. We, we, there's more to say on that, but we just trust that to you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to find the little girl inside of each of us who was undernourished, neglected, didn't experience secure attachment, and that you would um, reignite our imaginations for the well-being that we can experience, for the way that you can take our desolation and create Eden, that out of the abyss and out of the voids and out of the chaos, you can bring a wellspring of life and a garden overflowing. Jesus, come. Thank you for the honor of this time together. 
find us. And in the place of contempt, we ask for curiosity. And in the place of self-rejection, we ask for the miracle of affection. Come, Lord Jesus. In the place of shame, we ask for a revelation of worthiness. A worthiness in your eyes. A worthiness in the eyes of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Sherry, thank you. That was a full and rich time, and I savor that prayer, receive it, echo it, and bless you, friends. We send you so much love today. Till next time. Mm-hmm.